A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hi, I'm George Norrie, and welcome to the new iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Like us on Facebook, tell your friends, and share us with everyone. This is an exciting new network that will feature podcasts of the paranormal, supernatural, and the unexplained. Now please sit back and enjoy Dark Becomes Light with Heidi Hollis. Welcome to our podcast. Please be aware the thoughts and opinions expressed by the host are their thoughts and opinions only and do not reflect those of iHeartMedia, iHeartRadio, Coast to Coast AM, employees of Premier Networks, or their sponsors and associates. We would like to encourage you to do your own research and discover the subject matter for yourself. Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. (laughs) Welcome to my show. Remember, each week, this is the place you go to when you want to learn the latest when it comes to anything out of the ordinary. I don't care if Bigfoot is sitting there giving you a hard time about crossing the road in front of you. You come here to hear these stories, okay? Um, If you've experienced something like that, please, please know this is where you come to uh, share it, get some advice uh, if you need it, or, you know, tell me what you've learned about your experience. In all honesty, I am not a know-it-all. And if anybody says they are, run in the opposite direction as fast as you possibly can because that's ridiculous. I don't know why people feel that way. Um, (laughs) Ego is one of the worst things mankind has ever come across, I I think. Um, But yeah, so go to my main website, which is HeidiHollis.com or ShadowFolks.com. Tell me your stories. Write me an email. If you don't want your name used, that's fine. If you don't want to uh, identify where you live, that's fine too. If you don't want me to speak of your story on the air, that is okay as well. But tell me, what is it? This is how we grow. This is how we learn. This is how we see the patterns of what the world is coming to out there in the paranormal world. Okay? I'm here. You're there. And uh, we make this bridge. (laughs) You know, you guys, you're in for a fabulous show today because who do I have as my guest? Morgan Knudsen, who is phenomenal. She's the host of a couple of cool programs that you will recognize. Oh, gee, what could I be speaking of? Well, uh, the programs that she hosts includes, hold on to your chairs. Mm hmm. Yep. Haunted Hospitals. And Paranormal 911. Mm, yeah, really cool shows. I know you must have seen them. I have enjoyed them. And, uh, you know, I love these shows that kind of show the perspective of the experiencer and researchers and get 
the experts' opinions on these things, and it really helps to give a well-balanced view. So you got to stick around for that because that interview is going to shock you. Yeah, <clears throat> I can't sing. Um, <laughs> but you know, for this first segment, I want to get to an email that was sent to me. Um, I haven't uh, read this thing. I just, I grabbed it. It looked like a decent sized one. Uh-huh. Yeah. And um, this one is, uh, you know, oh, by the way, I have to stick with my name. The Outlandish Corner. That's what I'm calling this part of my... <laughs> show when I do my emails. I used to call it that before. And then I came over here and I just kind of dropped the name, but you know, it kind of fits and outlandish corner is decorated in purple and, and all this stuff. And, and this is where I read off your emails. Unless a person cares to join me here on the program and actually talk about what it is that they've experienced or researched or whatever. But nine times out of 10, people prefer to send me the email. So I'm just reading them. Okay. That's all right. I don't mind. All right. So this one says, hi, Heidi, I'm just watching the TV show Ancient Aliens, season 18, episode eight, The Shadow People. Yep, that's me. I'm in there. Um, yeah, I introduced that topic to them to make an episode and they did. Uh, so they say I had to deal with that situation from my early teens three to four years ago. Huh? I'm 43. All right. Uh, I, I'm the numbers. Okay. I'm listening. I, I couldn't say it was really traumatic. And until a few years back, I always thought it was quote sleep paralysis. Oh gosh. Don't get me started about that. Um, <laughs> oh, for those of you who haven't heard me, um, ranting stuff about the sleep paralysis, it, that was not a thing that was spoken of on the airwaves until I came out and started talking about shadow people. And the science community was like, oh no, we have to find a word for this to stop all this forward thinking on people seeing these things and what's behind it, you know, like all over the world in the millions. Now that's being acknowledged. Um, thank goodness. Yeah. Uh, so now that it's like sleep paralysis must be that. Well, I'm here to say, uh, my personal opinion, personal, not clinical, personal opinion. We can't all be imagining the same exact scenario and the same exact things. No, no. Okay. All right. Continuing. I always felt those shadows around me at night. I couldn't move at all until I found out as soon as you provoke pe pressure in your auditory canal, that's it. You can move again. And that shadow will disappear. What? As soon as you invoke pressure in your in your ear, what? Who can move to do that? I, I don't know. Um, okay, so the shadows I saw while a teenager always looked black and not good. That's what I felt. But within the years and after beat that... Okay, I think you meant after I beat that sleep paralysis... I had to deal with other types of shadows, not all black, even at daylight. They were and are like the film Predator when the alien camouflages with the environment, just like that. Okay, that distortion field. Hey, this sounds familiar, like uh, an email that I've had or, you know, they all start to sound similar to me <laughs> and, and it's just through... 
Uh, sometimes people will send me an email another time and it might get a repeat um, here on the airwave. And other times these emails do blend in the topics that they cover and the things that get mentioned. So I don't know which one this is. Apologies if this is a repeat. I don't, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> it's still interesting though, right? So I know what you're saying, that distorting thing. If you, you guys haven't seen uh, the movie Predator, you kind of see somebody, uh, something walking by and you wonder, oh, is that uh, something there? And it kind of has this technology that blends with the background. So I, I know what you're talking about. Um, I have seen that. Camouflages with the background. Okay, just like that. I always felt them in the moment. I'm not awake, but neither asleep. Mm. What I can tell you is that those shadows do not suddenly disintegrate but go away through walls and ceilings. Okay, the ones that you've seen, probably. Um, <laughs> even once I felt like an invisible door, like an invisible shadow door, appeared and opened itself in the middle of my effing room. Yeah, they put that. And one shadow entered my room, just like that. Okay, I know what you're talking about, like a portal of sorts. I've felt and seen those myself. Um, yeah really, really disturbing. I, I, this thing used to poke its head around the corner at me and I knew there was a portal thing like right around this door and it just would try to chance it to poke its head out for me. I'm, I'm just saying, okay. The door itself closed. The shadow was close to me, but I threw a punch, which impacted on the wall. What? And the shadow went through the ceiling. It was my reaction at the time. Okay. On another occasion, I woke up and I saw a shadow just levitating a couple of inches on top of me. Ew. Oh, yuck. Okay. That shadow just disappeared through the wall closest to me. To me, those shadows are part of my life. Oh, sorry. I don't think they're bad, at least since I'm capable to move myself in those situations. Hold on. You're hitting them. You don't think they're bad? You've been swinging at these things. Um, feels kind of bad to me, but uh, yeah, that's that's pretty awful. I really believe they try to tell us some stuff. Don't know what yet, okay? But I can tell you that I dreamed with machines that do not exist yet, at least in this world. And I dreamed with other worlds, mostly Mars and other sunny worlds. I've never seen the hat man. Oh, count yourself lucky. I guess those shadows are different entities. The good and bad ones. No, 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 no. Shadows are not good. Not good. While a teenager, I was scared as heck. I had to deal with that a ton of times until I discovered how to move myself. It's like you add pressure to your head, but to your ears. I don't know how to explain it. That's, that's interesting. Um, but if you can't move, I don't know what you're doing. But I've had people just make the sign of the cross on the roof of their mouth and it worked. Or, or people just try to wiggle their pinky and it worked. So you've got your own thing. I don't know if you're holding your breath to your ears pop type of thing. I don't know. But that's that's interesting. One last thing. A few months back, I felt a shadow again. But I had to deal with a lot of stuff, so I didn't give it any attention. The same night I had a dream and the message was clear. Quote, oh, I didn't have much time. End quote. 
I was suspicious since that dream. You could say, I'm a paranoid, always on alert person. A few weeks after that, oh, someone attacked with an iron spade. He went for my head, literally. And since I was suspicious already, I reversed the situation in that moment. And I thank the dream for that. Again, you never know if we're talking about shadows and or spirits. I live in a really old house where people have been born and died inside of it. Just wanted to tell someone about this. In fact, a part of my life. Wow. Thank you, John. Um, wow, John, you have lived an interesting life and interesting tactic. I, I appreciate you sharing the tactic because that is something that, uh, you know, might help somebody that's dealing with this, that hears this. You have no idea where your story might land and lend a hand. So that's why I always encourage people, please tell me what's going on out there because we need these stories to help enlighten others. And uh, this is this is really a well thought out thing. And you know what I got to tell you too, John, since you have like dreams that help prepare you and you feel that like a premonition type dream, that tells me why these shadow things were coming your way. They're kind of the minions to have. Be glad their boss didn't show up. But um, these things uh, take their commands from him, and uh, they see that you're able to see things and sense other things, and uh, you're kind of an evolving human, and so they want to stop out that light. But I want to thank you so much for sharing your perspective and your stories. Wow, Morgan Knudsen, guys. We're going to have a good time. It's coming here after the break. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Stick around. We'll be right back. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. 
join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. You guys don't forget to go to HeidiHollis.com and send in your stories, your questions, your comments, your research, and uh, let me know what's going on there in the world because uh, this is important stuff. And as promised, I have a fabulous guest co-founding and leading Entity Seeker Paranormal Research and Teachings in 2003, award-winning researcher Morgan Knudsen's experiences and knowledge has led to researching and co-creating a unique investigative program called Teaching the Living. I like that title. And subsequently has been featured on and hosted numerous specials and television shows, including Haunted Hospitals, and Paranormal 911. So I'd like to give a warm welcome and round of applause to a very kind and generous lady, Morgan Knutson. So how are you doing there today, Morgan? I'm doing awesome. It's really good to be here. Good to talk to you. My goodness, you are a busy lady. I, I am always impressed when I see ladies making waves out there in the paranormal world. And waves, I mean, you're just like the queen surfer out there. So <laughs> <laughs> I swear, I'm like, okay, tell us, how on earth did you get involved into looking into the paranormal? Oh, gosh, you know, it's it's been such a long journey. And it started with me as a kid, which I think uh, most people start there <laughs> you know it's, it's i think it's it's pretty rare nowadays i think that the you know the fascination starts as, as an adult but um, for me it was definitely a, as a kid and uh, you know having experiences and living in a few haunted places um and just having these sort of one-on-one experiences with things that i couldn't explain and I, I was fortunate to grow up in an, in an era where the the main investigators that the public was exposed to were, were really legitimate people like Lloyd Auerbach and Kerry Gaynor and people like that. And uh, once I started to, to delve into this a little bit further, uh, it, it just 
there was a magic about it for me that that just captured something that I'd been taught all my life, you know, doesn't exist, you know, the paranormal ghosts, all of these things. So um, it wasn't until a little bit later, it was about six years uh, into forming uh, Entity Seeker Research and Teachings, where I discovered my great-great-grandfather uh, was uh, the president of one of the one of the uh, first paranormal associations here in Canada in the 1900s. So yeah, no um, it's pretty cool. Tomatoes. Yeah. That, yeah. That's humongous. It, I, I have to totally dive in on that with, with your grandpa, but you having experienced things as a kid, it, what kinds of things were you witnessing? Yeah, well, we lived in, in a couple of, of haunted places when I was nine, 10, 11, 12 in, in the, in there. And uh, it was, it was really interesting because the the first house we lived in, this was uh, in British Columbia, both of us or the family, we uh, were experiencing everything from the, the classic haunting to, uh, you know, things moving where they shouldn't be, uh, be seeing apparitions and, and stuff like that. The second place that we lived in was, it was a rental home. And uh, nothing really seemed out of place about, about it, but it was absolutely full of, of activity, uh, including a lot of residual energy where we were hearing sort of the replays of, of past events in the home um, to an actual intelligent thinking entity that seemed to be in the house that was that really couldn't stand our dog. And uh, we just, we, we kind of lived through these different places. And I, I think I used them as a bit of a, a a, a learning ground for myself. Uh, you know, the stuff never had a, it never gripped me with fear. It was always something where I was absolutely fascinated and curious. So um, it, yeah, both, both places were, were just a, a mixed bag of some of the neatest stuff I've, I've ever seen, even to this day, uh, it, it probably goes down on my list as one of the neatest, neatest places and neatest things I've experienced. I'm always amused by uh, residual occurrences like and you said that you saw something like that you experienced something like that what what did it look like what was going on yeah so it, it was it was quite strange because we weren't sure whether there had been uh some sort of uh, abusive relationship or something in the house in the past uh but that's what it pointed to it, it sounded often like you'd hear uh we had a, a walk-in basement so you'd hear a um uh the the patio door, which was like a sliding patio door, just slam shut, like oh, swing open and slam shut as hard as you could slam it. You go downstairs and of course there's nothing there. Um, it, you know, the door hadn't moved. The door hadn't even been unlocked. Um, everything from all, just all sorts of various uh, uh, weird smells, um, sounds that you'd, you'd be listening and, and you'd hear something that was completely out of place. You'd go and, and take a look. And of course, nothing had moved. Um, it was it, just bizarre. My, my dad at one point heard um, crying from the basement and he, my, my bedroom was right next to the basement door. And I remember him coming in and saying, Hey, you know, are you, you know, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, uh, <laughs> what's going on? And he turned around and said, well, you know, you we were crying. And I said, no, I didn't hear it. I hadn't heard it at all, but he he heard it. And uh, he he said, you know, is it, that's really interesting because I'm hearing a, a, a girl or a woman, a female crying. And uh, lo and behold, it was coming from the basement. So there was there was a lot of stuff like that where we, we kind of wondered if uh, there had been some sort of an abusive history in that house. Wow, that's a that's really kind of freaky. Nobody went down and poked it with a stick, did they? I mean, like you guys, <laughs> you wanted to live peacefully in there, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, with residual, I mean, it's always just a sort of a uh, 
a, a memory or a replay of of the stuff that's gone on. So I mean, there, in that regard, you know, there was nothing that was so volatile. But uh, there was an entity that was there that I think had been had been birthed from that that thought that that negative thought that was uh, he. It was intimidating. Like we would, uh, you'd be coming back up the stairs and you knew something was like hot on your heels up the steps um we would hear weird sort of animal noises from the basement uh really strange strange things that you knew weren't right you just you knew that there was something there that you 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 wouldn't want to wouldn't want to mess with but i think everybody kind of just respected what was going on and uh and both my parents because both of them are you know firm believers in this as well they i mean they were they handled it really really well so it was but it was really interesting place to live so nobody casually walked back up the stairs. Is that what you're telling me? No, it was up those stairs. I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm telling you, it was just the craziest thing because yeah, you knew like it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, Oh, I'm paranoid of a dark basement. Our basement was, was, was very nice. It was completely finished and it was, you know, a very nice basement. Um, but there was absolutely no doubt that whatever was down there, like did not want you down there. And you'd, you'd come back up the steps and you would, you'd feel this thing on your heels and just boom, 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 up the, up the steps. And it was, yeah, you, holy. I know those runs. So that's why I think it's hilarious. Oh yeah. Like it's, you can't mistake it, you know, you can't mistake it. And even as I say, even my parents were just like, like, you do not just sit and wait on those steps. Like everybody knew. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, sure. You could casually walk down, but you tore those stairs on your way up. That's, that's hilarious. But, uh, yeah, that that's wild. So, what do you think that is? Do you think uh, when we pour our emotions in a certain spot that it just so happens to uh, tear a hole and and allow something in to just feed on that residual energy, or what is that? Well, I think what happens, and and what I think parapsychology is leaning to at this point is that when we're dealing with something like that, that that oftentimes you know our thoughts, our focus uh, create create consciousness. And when we've seen this again and again in experiments like the Philip experiment, um, where you've got this, this sort of psychokinetic response to our thinking where thought and focus will actually create the thinker. And um, it, it's a really interesting concept and it's, it's gaining a, a lot more traction in the last little while because of uh, our, our understanding of, of the mind and what focus is capable of doing and that consciousness is not emergent that it's actually fundamental to the universe. So um, I think that that's gaining a lot more traction in the, in the field that, that these things are a projection of, of thought that has become a thinker. And uh, so when you get these high levels of emotion in a house, whether it be, you know, super, super negative, or even, even something that's, you know, really positive, it can come out and reflect itself back in, in these, these, these really bizarre energy, energy fields. So uh, I I think that's what had gone on here where, you know, whatever I think had gone on in the house before um, with these, with these people, like there was obviously a pretty heavy negativity that had gone on prior because we were getting all these like, echoes of of you know, just abuse that was going on and i think whatever that was had you know uh been been sort of focused into uh, uh something that was that had manifested there but yeah really but as i say really interesting place to live and i i learned a ton yeah i i like that uh calling it a thinker can we make humans thinkers i mean we need more of that here in the world dude <laughs> that's a tall order <laughs> How can we manifest that? That's what I want to know. Uh, well, you know, I, th- I think I, I think we can manifest that, but I, th- I think it's 
fortunately we can't manifest for other people. You know, it's, it, I think in that, in, in that regard, I, I think our, I think a huge chunk of the problem that, that people are seeing nowadays within others and within themselves is, is a lack of consciousness. It's a lack of awareness and that lack of being able to, to be the observer of our emotions, be more conscious in the moment. Um, everything has really become a means to an end. And we don't really go into anything anymore with, with presence or being present. And it, because of that, we've now, we're, we're, I think we're losing the ability to critically think through things sometimes. And I think we also lose the humanity in other people because we're not being present and conscious of the, of the consciousness that's in front of us. Unfortunately, that is a big problem. And that's very, very deep uh, to even think about. I, I'm a big believer personally that uh, we can influence our environment. We can influence the cup of water uh, to be more nutritional for ourselves before we drink it. Uh, we can uh, lighten up a room. We can change the mood, um, be that brighter light. And, uh, you know, and if we do that, maybe we could teach our neighbors to do the same and change this world that we live in. So I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, I think that uh, there's a lot of room for progress. All right. Uh, we're going to get to our next break. You guys, you are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Stick around. We'll be right back. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. 
Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with the Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. So we are having a grand chat with Morgan Knudsen, and uh, wow, you have done so much, so much. And uh, you know, there's a lot of people who are just finding the paranormal to be cool and just diving in, like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to get a show, I'm going to do this. But when you live and breathe this, like you were saying that, you know, your family was very open to this. It, lucky you, that's not really common. Um, <laughs> but it's true. You were, you were mentioning how your grandfather has quite the history, though, too. So kind of in your blood. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, your grandpa? Yeah. So my, my great great grandfather's name was uh, Albert Durant Watson, and he was a astronomer. He was a poet. He was a, a very famous physician in Ontario and a really amazing man and known throughout Canadian history as a really notable figure. His, his home is a historical home now in, in Ontario and, and whatnot. Uh, but he started out, and interestingly, you said skeptic, because he actually started out as a, a very heavy-duty skeptic. This was a guy in the medical field in the 1900s. So he, you know, any, any sort of mention of, you know, the paranormal or anything like that, I mean, it, you know, the, it, the universities hadn't grabbed it in the way they've, they've grabbed it now. And so he, he, was, he was completely on the, not even on the fence. I mean, he was... <laughs> He was on the other side of the fence and he had a, a group of friends that weren't, they were extremely open to this stuff. And they had come across this guy by the name of Lewis Benjamin. And they said, this guy is a channel. He's a channel for, for a, a consciousness that is imparting this, some amazing information. And can we use your back sitting room as a place to meet and talk to this, this, this consciousness. So <laughs> <laughs> my great great grandfather he's looking at this going you guys are insane uh but yeah i mean you you guys go ahead you know have your little party back there and i'll see you in an hour kind of thing so they started to meet there and he was he sat in on a couple of them because he was he was curious he was like you know what have my friends gotten themselves into now and so he's listening to this and he's hearing this stuff come out of this guy who was really poorly educated. I think he had like a grade six education, um, kind of a simple dude. And he's he's coming out with this 
information that was so positive and so enlightened and his cadence changed as soon as he would go into these these this sort of trance mediumship and this, these other personalities would come out everything about him started to change and his depth of information was phenomenal so he, albert was really curious and when he started communicating and asking questions what came through was his mom and his mom had passed away uh, not long before that. And, and he had no idea. Louis Benjamin had no clue. Like he didn't even know who Albert was. And his mom starts to come through and starts to say stuff that she like she would have known. And he began to take some serious interest. He was like, something's going on here. And so he ended up writing and transcribing these sessions. And, and it turned into two books, which he ended up publishing, uh, The 20th Plane and Birth Through Death, The Ethics of the 20th Plane. And uh, it, it was it was a really, really phenomenal settings. And his career, it, he took a massive, massive hit for this because his his colleagues at the universities and stuff like this were going, you know, you are out of your damn mind right. and it, you have... You, you know, you shouldn't be into this, you know, you've lost it, you, your career will be ruined, that's the end of it. And he said, yeah, okay, you know, that that might be the case, but he's like, you know, regardless of what I think or my doubts or anything like that, this is what I heard. And you can either take it or leave it, but this is what I heard. And he's like, I believe, and he, he writes this in the intro of his book, um, The 20th Plane, he's like, you know, regardless of what you think, something happened here. And it was the, the the books are so full of positivity, of joy, of just imparting this message of of incredible connection that even today, I mean, they they really are a, a gem that I think everybody in this field should have on their shelves. Wow, that's that's fascinating that he went that route. I mean, what a yeah, but. But wasn't that during the time when a lot of people were starting to open their minds to such possibilities too, though? They were, but a lot of them were still back on this stuff has to be scary. We have to be sitting around and doing a seance. Um, and the academic side was going, it was still pretty much, you know, you're all Looney Tune. You know, you had the, you had certain societies, of course, that were coming up like the, the Society of Psychical Research and, and things like that. But it, it was still considered sort of this fringe thing. And this, the SPR was originally founded to kind of, you know, debunk the scammers. So it, it was, it was, it was a tricky time to be in, especially as a, as somebody who's a really famous medical professional and you're kind of leaning into this, this area as well. I, I can't even imagine. Right. That's that is what what a cool legacy. But you didn't know this when you know to this field. So, wow. It was a family secret, do you think? It was it was weird because I I sure never knew about it. My mom and dad never knew about it. Uh, there, there are certain people in the family that seem to have known about it, but nobody ever imparted this to me. And they knew what I was doing, which was so strange. Um, nobody ever said anything to me. It was, so I don't know. Um, I mean, not that the, the immediate family, they're not very connected anyway, in terms of talking to each other, but, um, it was, it was odd that it never, that it, it never came up. I ended up finding out about it, uh, in some, some very old paperwork, 
when um, I think it was when my, my grandfather passed away or something. Anyway, my mom ended up inheriting a bunch of, of old papers and that's where I found it. But yeah, it was, it blew my mind. And I, and I realized like what I'm doing is this, this, this was an instinct. This was a calling. Yeah. This is what I had to do. My goodness. And, and he's written a couple of books and so have you. I- what are these books and uh, what did you write about? What are they based on? Yeah. So my, my first book that I, that I wrote, uh, which is now in the second edition is called uh, teaching the living from heartbreak to happiness in a haunted home. And that title. That is thank so you. Well, and because that really my, the co-founder of entity seeker and my best friends, uh, Stephanie Wirtz, she and I really, really early on wanted to impart this knowledge and this information that we we manifest things we we create things we are not sitting on the sidelines when it comes to paranormal events and occurrences this isn't something that happens to us and we really wanted to give people their power back because so many of the the tv shows and and pop culture and things like that kind of have painted this as a picture that is terrifying and frightening and it asserts itself on you and you have no control whatsoever and what we found was just the complete opposite and statistically that it it backs it up as well that most people have these profoundly wonderful experiences and are, are deeply connected and find it something where they can become deeply connected with uh, non-physical and and something that's this greater than them and their loved ones and things like that. So we really wanted to to back it up with science that and in our program because we ended up creating a program called Teaching the Living and then that went on to be taught in in colleges and stuff like that here in, in uh, Canada. But we, we really wanted to impart the fact that we really do our minds, our focus, our state of being all has a role in what we're creating in the world. And when we apply this to the paranormal, things become a lot less messy. So teaching the living was, was designed as kind of a guidebook for people to go, okay, wait a minute. This is, here's what I was experiencing. Here's where some of these old beliefs have come from that are are skewing my perception maybe of what of what the paranormal is you know here's some of the science behind it and here's the science of joy and how that applies to what you're creating in your experience with non-physical energy so that was what teaching the living was really about the second book was was birthed from that which was uh the gift of instinct paranormal lessons for an extraordinary world and when i was asked to write that one it was really, I wasn't sure what I was going to touch on because so much of it was covered in teaching the living, but I realized that underneath all of this, people that get into this, myself included, um, I'm sure you've had this as well. And, and every parapsychologist, <laughs> neurologist, scientist, everybody that I've talked to in this field has had this instinct that not only that there is something more that we are supposed to be connected with, um, but the instinct to follow that calling. And so I I bring up in the book, a number of these different individuals who felt that way, people like J.B. Ryan, uh, Eileen Garrett, uh, people throughout parapsychology's history uh, that, and and philosophy's history that have had this, this calling and this instinct to pursue this in a way where some of them, you know, drop their jobs, they quit their jobs, they, you know, moved moved across the country they've done all of these different things because it it drove them so much to be able to say okay i i want to know i want to know what this is and and that calling and following that calling ended up opening doors for them so that was what the gift of instinct is about and and the idea that everybody uh you know has has a calling that they can follow 
Oh, most definitely. I, I, I think that's uh, probably one of the greatest tragedies uh, uh, around today is that people don't listen to their inner selves and ego gets in the way instead. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's like, how can we get people to look within instead of looking out all the time and trying to find something to keep them entertained? You know, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. But uh, well, um, we, we've got this, we got this issue now too, I think where, and I, cause I don't think social media helps with this at all, where a lot of the things that we interact with now, cause you, you brought up ego. And I think that's spot on is that the ego has so much now to identify with. It identifies with you're either left or you're right, or you're this or you're that. And if you're not this, then you're not that. And the, the ego really likes to label and it likes to identify with, with form, right? So you've, that has not helped at all, where now we've got you're either this or you're that, or you're this because you're not that. And I, I think that's part of what we're seeing is that, you know, people, people are creating a, a, a divide or the ego is creating a divide and our, our ability to sit and just be still and be be with ourselves and, and feel that presence, you know, has, has been lost on a lot of people. Wow, that is so very true. And, you know, people like yourself, you're coming at it from such a different angle and it's so very needed. So I applaud your efforts on that. Let's uh, just hope that we could share that element with the world, right? You know? Um, so anyways, you guys, we're going to get to our next break. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Stick around. We'll be right back with more Morgan Canoose. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. 
join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with the Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Listening to Dark Becomes Life with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I have Morgan Knudsen, and wow, Morgan, like you couldn't just stick with one television show, huh? You have to have specials and a couple of series. I mean, my goodness, uh, you really like to keep busy. So, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you have been working on? Yeah, so we, we just wrapped up uh, season four of Haunted Hospitals uh, earlier this year, and it, it's going to oh, it's gonna be a great season. I'm, I'm excited for everybody to see it. Some really different, different stories this year, um, which I'm really, I'm stoked about because it, I, I love when the producers really mix it up and they, they bring in some very unique things. So, um, you know, we're touching on everything from like the folklore of the hag and uh, things like that to, uh, you know, just some really bizarre uh, experiences in in hospital tunnels and just really just out, off, really out of the out of the box stuff this year. So this should be really fun. Nice. I've worked in several hospitals as an occupational therapist, and ooh wee, just uh, horrifying, horrifying stuff. So much. You want to talk about high emotions? I mean, yeah, absolutely. And it's the 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 people who work there, the people who are sick there. And uh, you hear patterns, you see patterns and you hear the rumors and you're like, avoid this room, avoid yeah. <laughs> do not get on that elevator after midnight. Okay, got it. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> Ooh, wow. So that's wild. Uh, so how on earth did that come about to get onto that program? Well, it was actually uh, the producer uh, when they for, when they started the first season, they were looking for for people to come and I guess be the the resident expert on the, on the shows and, and things like that. And uh, so I got contacted by a producer who's now a good friend of mine, Tobin Long. And uh, he, he was happy that he found somebody in Canada I think that could come and do this because it's a Canadian show. And uh, he, he was really excited. So we got on the phone and, you know, within the day uh, they said, yeah, we, we really want you to come and be a part of this. And uh, you know, it was, it was great for me because I really 
loved the concept. I loved the idea that we could be a a voice and a, a serve as a platform for medical professionals who wanted to tell their story. So many in so many of my live shows over the years, I, you know, I've had so many medical professionals come and attend and say, you know, I, I would tell this story, but I can't because, you know, I'm going to get fired or I'm going to get a stigma or something's going to happen. And it, the the bravery of these people that are coming forward and speaking on national television and, and the interviews, you know, when they happen, the, these people are, are still emotional, even years and years later, they're still emotional uh, over the events that, that occurred. It touched them so deeply. So, uh, you know, I, I turned down a lot of TV show offers because I'm not, you know, I'm not a ghost hunter. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't go and, you know, fake stuff for the sake of ratings. And I don't, I, I just don't believe in any of that. So I, there's a lot of shows over the years that, I, that I've turned down, but the, uh, the work that BGM ha- has put into this and to, to bolster these people and, and put this on a, on a, on a different level I, it's, is, it's really, it's, it's really an honor to be a part of it. Yeah, I, I'm glad that you stick to your guns on what it is that uh, works for you, too. You're not just going to jump in for the ratings. It's all about research and helping people to have better insight, correct? Yeah, and and it's a it's about integrity. You know, there there comes a point, and I mean, and in this industry, we we both know. I mean, it's it's easy to get swept. I think one way or the other, if if you know you're you know, well, we'll, we'll do this or, you know, you'll promise this or, or whatever. But one of the things for me, because I'm you know, carrying on not only, not only representing my, my great, great grandfather, but also uh, my, my business partner and best friend, Stephanie Wirtz, cause she, she passed away years ago. And, you know, this was, this has always been something for me that is about so much more than, you know, being on television and television is great because it's a great platform. And if you, if you can view it as a platform for what you do, how you do it and reaching out to others and and bringing that connection a little bit closer for people, then it's, then it's great. Then you, then you don't get swept up in the, in the crazy, but you know, it's, it, I'm very aware, like, it's not just me when I'm, when I'm speaking on, behalf of you know entity seeker and, and things like that is there there's there's a legacy there and there's an integrity there that that has to be upheld and and it means a, a lot to me that's awesome I, you know and i totally understand uh you know people why they need that medium to get out onto television i do i do and, and it's it's brought a lot of people to the edge to look out and to uh, you know, wonder what could be. And maybe my eyes weren't playing tricks on me. Maybe grandpa was telling the truth, you know? So it's like, I understand. And there are people who serve those purposes, but then there's others who are teaching. And in fact, you're talking about your live shows. Tell us a little bit more about those. Yeah. So early on when, when Steph and I were were beginning all of this, that was one of the things that we really wanted to make sure that we were doing, which was sharing the information that we were getting with, with, the general public. And we were trying to figure out how to do that and do it in a way that was, uh, that was going to reach people and, and be something that was personal. So very early on, we started holding these little workshops and uh, they were just at the time they were out of her, her condo and we would just kind of go back and forth and we'd hold these little gatherings, very similar to what AD Watts had done actually at his place. And they were responded to very, very well. They had a great response and it wasn't long after that that uh, other other platforms started to become very interested in what we were saying because I, I think nobody was talking about it in the way that we were talking about it. So they, the 
the workshops just naturally began to grow. And uh, now I, I do full-blown theatrical shows where people come and it's it's so much more than just being lectured at there's you know visuals and video and uh this really immersive experience and my my background is is very much in in theater and performing and stuff like that so so i like to be able to bring those elements to my shows and to what i'm doing so that people are having fun they're getting really good quality information but they walk away feeling like they've been a part of something that's really special so uh all the all the shows that I do, all the ones that I you know, where, no matter where they are, whether they're at a comic expo or whether they're you know at a convention or you know whatever, I always try to or a theater. I always try to make sure that that people are walking away going, "Man, I learned a lot!" But holy hell, that was really fun. I love that. I love that. That's so cool. I, I didn't know you had that big performance element. That that does uh, add more attractiveness to you know people are visual. They want to totally part. They want to. They want to feel what you're talking about. So that that's amazing. Yeah. Well, and people want to have. They they learn when they're enjoying themselves. You know, that's when you pick up the most. And if people are falling asleep in the seats, then I mean, <laughs> you know, you're not. It, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. And and that's one thing that the academic side of of parapsychology has always struggled with is that they have some of the most magical and creative and incredible information that you're ever going to hear, but the presentation side of it is so brutally lacking and mainly because that's just not their area. That's just not what they do. You know, they, they, they're, they're academics. They want to sit down and write and, you know, publish their papers and things like that, which is great. And we need it. But when it comes to then translating that information to the general public, people would rather sit down and watch a show of people running around screaming with cameras because at least it holds their attention. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, yeah, and, and, you know, most people will not sit down and read a pile of white papers. That's it's just reality. And it's not that they're doing, you know, a bad job or anything. It's nothing about that. It's just the, the medium in which people receive information has to be something that's entertaining and engaging. And so that's what I'm trying to do is that, you know, if we can make it entertaining and fun and engaging, then that information, it doesn't have to be campy. It doesn't have to be you know, silly, or, you know, it can be something that is just really genuinely touching and, and, and fun to watch and, and still have the information that'll just completely blow your mind. I love that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've, I've sat in like, you know, I've anticipated seeing somebody lecturing and I go there and the lights turn off and I'm like, Oh no. Oh yeah. To lose it. Your eyes just automatically start to get hazy and you, and it's like, and I got coffee in my hands. And it's like, gosh, I, I hate that it happens, but it just does. So it, it does. Well, that. even I struggle with it. Like, you know, as, as much as I love this information, I mean, there's been stuff that I've sat through that I really struggle to hold my focus. <laughs> I really struggle. And it's, you know, and it, as I say, it's, it's not, it's not about the information. It's just about, you know, how do we deliver this in a way that where like, the majority of people can yeah. can really grasp it i love this so how can people get a hold of you like you have a website and what events you got going on absolutely so the best place to find everything about me is entityseeker.ca and uh so it's entityseeker not plural.ca and uh it, it's just the one-stop shop you can find out books classes uh, uh events um you can find out how to book me there um send me a message whatever you know whatever's up and uh and all my social media links everything is is there as well so that's the best place to 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 find out more about me 
Love it. Morgan Knudsen, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. This was a lot of fun. It sure was. Thank you so much. All right, you guys, we have come to the bottom of another fabulous program. I want to remind you to go to my main website, which is HeidiHollis.com or ShadowFolks.com. Tell me your stories. The more details, the better. If you have photos, if you have video, don't tease me. Just send it on over. Don't tease me with a one-liner saying, I've got a great story and nothing put there. Okay, tell me what's going on. This is how we learn. This is how we see the patterns. This is how we grow. And uh, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's a learning curve. A lot of people think they could just jump on in this and be like, well, yes, you know, I've got a degree in this and oh, oh, I can do this or I could do that. And I'm going to tell you a story. Uh, you know, it, it's all in it together. Okay. I, I don't have the ego to say I got this, all these answers. I know exactly what that's about. I could quote anything anywhere. Never. Uh-uh. Not me. I'm human. <laughs> I'm, I'm figuring this stuff out as we go along. And uh, I'm growing. I've been doing this for a long time. And it's all about connecting. So connect with me. Let's do this. And, uh, you know, we could, we could, we could, we could tackle it. I swear. I swear we can. Uh, and be sure also go to the Outlanders comic. Follow me at one Heidi Haas on all my social media and reach out to me. I will respond. All right, you guys, you have been listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. We'll see you next time. Stay safe, everybody. Goodbye. Well, if you liked this edition of Dark Becomes Light, wait till you hear the next one. You've been listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.